Hello, human peoples. You're listening to the podcast network of Gamefully Unemployed. Support us and gain access to great exclusive podcasts like Fox Mulder is a Maniac, Tom and Jeff Watch Batman, Star Trek The Next Futurama, and our latest show, Spiel Boys. Head over to patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. We do game streaming, movie nights with our patrons every Friday night, and you can even commission your own podcast about anything you want. Literally anything, within reason, and we have to do it. You are quite frankly out of excuses not to go visit patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. That's patreon.com slash G-A-M-E-F-U-L-L-Y unemployed, which is spelled like it sounds. All you motherfuckers are going to pay. You are the ones who are the ball lickers. We're going to fuck your mothers while you watch and cry like little whiny bitches. We're going to make them eat our shit, then shit out our shit, and then eat their shit that's made up of our shit that we made them eat. And then all you motherfuckers are next. Love, Jane Sound Bob. It's the 90s. Yep. Throw <laughs> <laughs> some boss tones in here. Oh my fucking Hell god. It is yes. Everything. The goatees. Uh, the music. The sweaters, Dave. The sweaters. Holy moly, you guys. Welcome to Old Smith, New Smith. Is that what this, this is, is called? A, okay. Yeah, this is a Kevin Smith podcast brought to you by At Nerd Numbers. Thank you so uh, much. We've been, yeah, thank you so much, At Nerd mm-hmm. Numbers. Thank you for allowing us to watch Kevin Smith films. And we're doing what we're doing is we're pairing uh, an older Kevin Smith film with a newer kevin smith film and kind of like like pairing like a wine and a cheese mm-hmm. seeing how they hold up together um and just sort of talking about them you know it's a good excuse to just talk about them uh tom you you grew up watching kevin smith films as did i right yeah. oh yeah i yeah i just posted myself visiting the quick stop i found footage mm-hmm. for me in new jersey doing that um and so we have a new batch. We just did, what did we do? Mall rats and yoga hosers. Yes. Uh, and now we're doing Chasing Amy mm. and Tusk. <laughs> okay, um, is that what we're pairing it with? Okay. Yeah, oh yeah. This is 1997's Chasing Amy Whew. and then 2014's Tusk, which I haven't seen. No, um, neither have I. That'll be interesting. Yeah. But for part one, we're going to talk about Chasing Amy and we're going to talk about how we think It'll pair up with Tusk, you know, if the themes will relate in any way. Um, this movie, yeah, is complex <laughs> in the, in the, in terms of my feelings about it. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Yeah, this is a '90s 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 film uh-huh. about um, Ben Affleck playing Holden McNeil. Is that yes, the name? That is his name. Seems like a fake name. Yeah, um, it sounds like, like a made-up made up name. So name. everybody's name is made up. Banky yeah. Edwards. Nope. Banky Edwards, uh, which is Jason Lee, and Holden McNeil meets a uh, a woman named Alyssa. Yeah. Uh, who? Oh shit, Jones. Alyssa Jones. Yeah. Yeah, because so, she's so, part of she's part of the. Um, yeah, Trisha Jones is her sister. Trisha Jones. Yeah. Um. And uh, he falls in love with her, um, only to find out that she is a lesbian. Uh, and he finds out she's a lesbian first, and then falls in love with her. 
Right, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. They're also they make comic books because it's a Kevin Smith movie. It yeah. really doesn't have anything to do with the plot. It it's a good medium used throughout. Like it's not unearned, but it's like yeah, he could have been a musician too. Like you know right, what I mean? It could have been anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but why not comic books? Sure. Why not? Why not comic books? It works. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he he falls in love with her as well. He yeah. At first he's like he thinks he's got an in with her. Then he learns she's she's a lesbian. They become friends. He falls in love with her, admits to her that he's in love with her, uh, turns her, you could say, uh, although this is this is where things get dicey. Yeah. Uh, she starts, they begin a relationship. Uh, and then he finds out that she had a promiscuous past with men. And this somehow upsets him a lot. We'll go through it point by point, of course. <laughs> uh, and then meanwhile, his friend uh, Banky, which I, I'm going to call him Banksy, I'm sure. Banksy, at some point. yeah. Uh, Banky is like very homophobic, uh, is hates the relationship. And at the end, um, Baffleck uh, gets, he's very upset that she had a past with men, even though he didn't care that she had a past with women. Nope. Uh, and uh, I think on purpose, but I'm not s- sure. So uh, he proposes that they, they have a threesome. Yes. Uh, and Alyssa's like, nope. And then Banky is like, nope. And I, I, I don't know if this was on purpose, but it really feels like Holden is the villain. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I've I got, can't uh, I've got... tell if the movie knows that. But oh, that's, y- yeah. That's, that's interesting, because I want to read you something. Okay. Um, I have... As a teen, uh, I loved this movie. I watched this movie constantly. Uh, I thought this shit was fucking deep. Um, I liked a lot of it. It wasn't my favorite Smith film. I Clerks was. I was still like really into Clerks. Sure, um, this was. I liked this movie for sure. Uh, uh, obviously, and I think people are sensing it. We're gonna get to how embarrassingly dated and fucked up this movie is in some places um but yeah uh, tell me this quote okay so uh i have the criterion edition of chasing amy Uh, i have Uh this dvd um and it uh the little booklet insert has an essay from kevin smith about sort of uh talking a little bit about the inspiration of the movie and what he was going for um so here's a little paragraph that i wanted to read uh that'll answer that question it says um there are these unspeakable ingrained mistruths men are brought up to believe about sex we're dominant we should go to bed with whores but wake up with virgins those things that were not necessarily taught but that thanks to our patriarchal society still become part of our consciousness regardless um so there's that beautiful um that's i thought there was another section that i wanted to I don't know, but that's a lot of what this movie, I would yes. say, gets right. Uh, I, I I think watching this movie again, uh, it's definitely very dated, but it wasn't as bad as I expected it to be. Um, this movie, by the way, got great reviews when it came out. It got this nominated was, for things. Yeah, this was like a like this was like his rebound from Mallrats because Mallrats yeah. was very very poorly received, and so this one was like a palate cleanser for him. And it was also like critically people were like Kevin Smith's back. Yeah. Um, it was nominated for a golden globe for a spirit award, British. 
It won a British, no, sorry, nominated for British Independent Film Awards. It won a Chicago Film Critics Association Award, MTV Awards for Best Kiss. Joey Lauren Adams got a lot through this. Um, but it was nominated for Best Screenplay, Best Film. Uh, again, Spirit Awards. No, nothing, uh, no Oscars. Right. No, um, no, 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 no. But it was like Roger Ebert loved it. Uh, all, the, all the papers loved it. And I get why because i think for the time this movie does a lot of very progressive things it does Uh, yeah um there's one more little thing that i figured i should read uh just just so that we're both clear on his intent because i think that's fair because yeah absolutely (laughs) because of of, of what we're gonna have to discuss about this film okay so uh if you didn't know he based this movie um I'm sure you know this, Dave. I'm just saying for our listeners. Yeah. Uh, in case people didn't know, uh, Kevin Smith dated Joey Lauren Adams, and this movie is based on their relationship and how their relationship ended. And it's because she was more sexually experienced than him, and that scared him, and he freaked out on her about it. Um, So here's what he wrote about that. He said, the guy who'd mused over myriad things sexual in his first flick from sucking one's own dick to necrophilia was undone by sex. His significant other had long had 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 long before she knew he existed. And the day I saw disbelief, outrage and hurt reflected in the eyes of the woman I loved as she realized I was insisting that she apologize for her life up until the moment we met. Well, that was the day it struck me that I wasn't quite as liberal as I fancied myself and instead came to grips with the fact that I was rather conservative. Right. And that's exactly what the movie's about. Yeah, the movie is about a guy who makes dick and fart comics who ends up making a comic called Chasing Amy uh, about this whole thing that happens. Like, Yeah, uh, yeah, about him being like a a rather a prude. And there's definitely a lot to say about like, yeah, male misconceptions about relationships and the madonna whore thing is yeah yeah it's yeah i think the movie is very intentional and it knows holden's the bad guy because he fucking blows up his life yeah like he he ruins the two most important important relationships in his life because he thinks he's the center of both of their universes right uh, yeah, he's a weird baby. Yeah, um, he's a he's a real fucker, Dave. <laughs> he's yeah, I, a would, real I fucker. would honestly. So watching it again, I would say that the problems with this movie, uh, and obviously people are gonna have different opinions of this, and mm-hmm. feel free to tweet at us or me about it. But like, it's more of like the broad strokes are there, and yes. they're not embarrassing or bad. It's just that the movie is very cringy. In, yeah. in it's the way it deals with the the problems like it feels like and i don't again i don't know if this is just because it's the 90s because there's stuff where they have this conversation about like he says oh you're still a virgin because you're a lesbian and she has to teach him that like sex is you know, we draw these arbitrary lines about right. what sex is. What is sex? And that's like the point of that scene is is illustrating. Right. Well, you keep changing the definition of what sex is so that it has to involve a man or that it has to involve a man in a position of dominance. Right. And it, it's very similar to, honestly, conversations people have now about gender, yeah. where these lawmakers try to make these laws about like transgendered people and it's like you realize like 
it's a whole spectrum and there isn't really a good definition of what anything is mm-hmm. uh scientifically speaking biologically speaking uh you know what makes a, a a man or a woman is not it's not set in stone and so it, it reminded me of that where it's like oh yeah we we haven't gotten to that yet because it's the 90s but it's like maybe this was groundbreaking you know, maybe when Hooper's talking about what it's like to be a, a black gay man, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, that is significant. Like, that character yeah, talking that, about that matters. And it, and it is... That it, is the thing that's easy to forget, is that this is... This movie's 25 years old. Right. Um, it's wild to think about yeah. how little we didn't... Like, this was... that's Again, it got such good reviews, because this is progressive. This is like groundbreaking <laughs> in a lot of ways, at least, mm-hmm. uh, which now after the fact, it's like, man, it doesn't feel that way at no, all. <laughs> a couple of scenes are real fucking brutal. Right. Uh, yeah. Some of them. Yeah. It's it's again, it's tough because Jason Lee, for example, plays a homophobic character. Mm-hmm. So he says a lot of bad shit. He sure but does. Again, <laughs> but that's the I point. Think, but, but that's the point. There's there's a very positive moment where Holden says to him, "You should stop saying that stuff." Yeah, and it's like, yeah, uh, more guys uh, should speak out, even when they're alone. You know, like even when there's no one to hear it. But the way the other gay characters treat Banks, uh, Banksy, Banky, <laughs> when he says homophobic stuff, is like they kind of brush it off, and it's yeah. like, eh, that's weird. That's, that stuff is this is the main stuff that bothered me because you can obviously you can make um a movie like uh, like this from the perspective of a of a cisgender male character like a, a straight uh white guy because yeah. that's Kevin Smith's viewpoint and the viewpoint of the film is this guy blundering into this and being, you know, and fucking everything up cuz he doesn't because he is so repressed actually when he thought he wasn't right and it's Um, that sort of thing where i get yeah i think kevin smith fans like young men like myself at the time it's probably very healthy to give them this message for sure i mean kevin smith his brother is gay so i think he had a background in sort of having to deal with homophobia in the 90s amongst Mm -hmm. like nerds you know and oh so, like, yeah! Oh shoot! Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I hadn't so even thought about thing that. Is, this movie, as a sort of as a, as a movie representing uh, the LGBTQ community, like it's not really. It's weird. It's not. It doesn't work as well for that, but it works really well as a message to young nerdy men, like to be like like it's young a, nerdy cis men, like where it's just like yeah, yeah, like. It's very basic now, but like, I think this movie existing and doing the comic stuff, and from this point of view, I think is a it's ultimately a positive thing. Uh, but again, a lot of cringy problems. In it. Well, yeah, what I was saying is uh, it, this this viewpoint and this perspective is is you know honest and and it works and it's you know like what you said it, it's it's. Uh, it's I would would probably agree that this would be a healthy thing for for straight men to watch uh, specifically particularly in the nerdy comic book community and particularly in the mid 90s when people were just right. 
people, especially in that community, would just throw around homophobic slurs like no, like like it was uh, any other. You know, I don't know. Uh, right. Very very casually using them. Um, but it's it you know it starts to to become ab- abrasive and and cringy when the gay characters are sort of like you said brushing it off or or uh, basically treating Banky like he's a child uh which yeah. work, works to an extent where they're just like oh cuz the implication like, oh, he doesn't know any better ignore him like it's you know it's right whatever he says you can like go ahead oh no you could argue that like yeah it's really fucking hard during this time mm-hmm. like so it's like they like you could argue oh they didn't have a choice but to be the, patient the, but it the point i'm trying to get to is the fact that it it it's cringy because it's it's a straight man writing these gay characters it's not yes. it is not actual people in the lgbtq community getting their voice in that and being like no it is it's you know it it is a a or it's, it's okay to brush this guy, off. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's, it's a straight, straight white, white guy, guy approximating yeah. what it's like to be a gay black man. Yes. Um, and <laughs> this is this is the thing is like all I think all it needed is a co-write. Yeah. Right? It needed Kevin Smith to actually reach out mm-hmm. uh, to the LGBTQ community at the time mm-hmm. and have someone kind of guide him through this. Uh, yeah. It would have been. It would have been a yeah. It it, it would have worked a lot better because it really is like the short game. It's like scene to scene is just like oof. Oh yeah. Oof. Yeah. It's you know. Uh, <laughs> but like, there's the the broad strokes. He gets pretty good. It's also just like embarrassingly '90s. Like again, it's so ben Affleck, '90s. It's not a role for Ben Affleck. I would argue Ben the- Affleck is one of the better Kevin Smith like. The actors in terms of dialogue but as like this guy who's just like i don't know so charming and amazing that this woman falls in love with him and like you know changes her lifestyle for him and i kept looking at him being like but for that goatee really like for that goatee he's a- you're really gonna for that goatee okay he's Bye, also Joey like Lord a Adams. he's also like a nothing character like yeah a, he's boring he's the most boring character which is funny uh, that same little essay that I read a few excerpts of, like Kevin Smith talks about, oh, this is the character that's closest to me. Um, right. And there's just nothing to him. It's just, I don't know. It makes it real, like, it's not a very good romance. Uh, so when she does, like, up uproot her but entire Tom, they have the life, life to uh, uh, date him, basically. It's like, really? For this? It's not just his goatee. Like, the goatee's many many strikes but like but Tom, Tom, the totality of him yeah he lights her cigarette for her in the montage in a montage i know <laughs> that's literally all they do like he makes it, her the a mo- nude birthday cake the yeah <laughs> makes her a grotesque <laughs> birthday cake two of the yeah. two of the bits in the montage are him so engrossed in talking about himself that he doesn't notice what she's doing that's right. like two of the things in the montage yeah, that okay. So this that's one of the things is that <clears throat> Joey Lord Adams' character, uh, to to their their credit, she does have the right responses for some parts. Like when he first tells her he's in love with her, and she's just like "fuck off." Like I yeah. appreciate that reaction. I appreciate um, 
her reaction, of course, to proposing the threesome. Yeah, that's um, that's but, that scene is actually really good. I think. Yeah. From a writing perspective and from a performance ex- perspective, which I gotta say, the acting in this movie overall is pretty bad. Uh, but that scene is 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 decent. Uh, it's, it's probably it's the, be- still, it's the best scene in the movie, I think. But yeah. Yeah, what they're dealing with right now, and I I can I I think I can nail down why the acting doesn't work. It's, the dialogue because, is tough in a Kevin Smith well, movie. The dialogue is tough in a Kevin Smith fil- film for sure, and he he calmed down in the future. I think we're going to find that out with Tusk, uh, and we you know like he doesn't do the clerks speaking yeah. as much. Yeah, but he kind of does it here. The Gen X like mm, so sarcastic, and he used a lot of big words and talk really fast, and it just doesn't. It it it's not. It probably worked at the time. You know what I mean? It's a very like grunge era yeah. coolness that it just now it's like, ugh, I, it, it, I don't know, man. I, I do think the clerk's dialogue is better. And I think it's because Kevin Smith's charm with that dialogue is when they talk about shit that doesn't matter, like movies and comics. Um, when it's done like this, it just stands out more because they're trying to navigate these human motion uh moments mm-hmm. with this dialogue and it's like i don't know man um the best i think the best performance in this is the guy who plays koei the guy who tells the that guy story. is a fucking hero i have i'm glad you landed on that because that uh, yeah i've yeah. been i've been it's ranting a about shot yeah i've been ranting about that guy since high school that scene yeah. and that performance are incredible <laughs> Yeah, he takes it. It's one shot of this guy in front of the quick stop telling the story, and he's he's playing a douchebag, this guy, Cody. Yeah, yeah, he is. And, and he's playing it so he's well. He's like Lord of the Douchebags. Yeah, he lights up the screen. He is he is uh, bedazzling. He is. <laughs> a bedazzling D-bag he might telling be, the story. He might be the realest performance in any Kevin yeah. Smith movie. Like, I yeah. 100% believe this guy exists. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's perfect. Um, a lot of cameos in this. Some would rather not be there. Uh, we got like we got Matt Damon, Brian O'Halloran. Yeah, that's that's going okay. And then uh, we got old Casey Affleck. Oh there. right, Casey's in there in the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. talking about uh, with Scott Mosier about how he's a tracer, and uh, Mike Allred, uh, who drew a lot of the. Um, oh yeah, he I think he draws all the Blunt Man and Chronic pages in the film, but he did he he's the creator of Madman, uh, and he's in the very beginning. Right. Um, There's also a. There's a scene in this that uh, was supposed to be in Mallrats. Yeah, the the scar scene. Yeah, which is why there's a character named T.S. Uh, named T.S. Quint. T.S. Quint. Yep. Yeah, uh, because it was supposed to be a character named Hooper as well, and they were going to have a conversation about sex injuries, which they do in this, um, which is a fun enough scene. Yeah. That's All right, so that's the first thing. I don't know. The character of Banky, like... I get why he needs to exist like that, but they do like this real moment of bonding there. Mm-hmm. And I think it would have been more interesting. I don't know if it would have sent, sent the right message though. If like him and Alyssa got along and Ben Affleck was the one who just couldn't get over it. Uh, the idea, I don't know. I don't know. I think I'm, I'm spitballing I think, there. I think the purpose of that, of that initial bonding scene is to set up a couple of things. One that Holden is much more conservative. 
Like, even though he's constantly... he realizes, yeah. Yeah, he's constantly giving Banky shit for the stuff he's talking about. And, like, during that scene, he keeps apologizing for stuff that Banky is saying, even though nobody's offended by it. Right. In that scene, actually, Banky is oddly more, like... I, I don't want to use the word progressive. He's doing the better thing, which is he's like, I have questions because I'm shell- I was from, you know, I wasn't used to this. So I'm going to ask questions, which like amongst friends is like not the worst thing in the world. Later, she says to him, like, you can ask me questions. Yeah. Um, so he's actually being very open and mm-hmm. like honest in that moment. And it leads them to like bond and stuff. Uh, I think the right. other the other thing so so that like perfectly in that scene cuz Holden is eliminated from that conversation so it's another right. idea well that, he does yeah he's he does, pouting he does too. the brody he does the brody thing where he checks out a scar of his own and doesn't mention it yeah that's true he does do that yeah that's true and uh, yeah um but yeah he he withdraws from the conversation because he's he's not as worldly as he thought he was and he he thought he thought right. that was a he thought it was a bad thing, so he kept apologizing for Banky saying these graphically sexual things, even though they're talking about sex. Uh, right. But it's like, dude, you're the one with the hang up here. <laughs> like, and yeah. I think the other function of that scene is to demonstrate that Banky and Alyssa probably would get along, um, but it's it's to it needs to be there, I think, in order to show that. Banky resenting Alyssa is not about who Alyssa is. It's about the fact that she's taking Holden away from him. Yes. Again, it's, it's tough because like they make Banky extremely homophobic. He does that hundred dollar bill example later. Yeah. And it, it like, it feels uneven where it's like, that scene scene was very, yeah, that scene was almost what, what's great about as a Jaws parody is it's parroting two characters in Jaws who didn't get along, getting along. And then they finally get um, along, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, but then they go back to Banky not getting along with her after that. And yeah. I know the dynamic has changed. I know that it's like, yeah, because now they're dating. But it, it just, like, Banky is, like, very difficult to navigate as a character. And then the reveal of, like, he's oh, he's secretly gay. And I don't even... Like, that's also i think kind of kind of offensive it's like no like that idea that homophobes are secretly gay kind of lets them off the hook and the and it also just like like i'm sure there's elements of that there's people like that but it's like that's a very 90s view it is Uh, and there's Okay, so two things there that I wanted to uh, address. Yeah. One, Banky's super inconsistent. Yeah, I, it's just I think he's just not written as well as he should be. Right. Um, the then the thing about that that ending scene, um, and I realize like he he brings it back in Jay and Saw Silent Bob Strike Back uh, to confirm that yes, Banky is gay and now he's dating Hooper. But ignoring that and just going by what's in this movie, um, and I may be giving Kevin Smith too much credit. Um, but I think that works because in this movie, they never actually confirm if Banky is gay. Right. Um, that's true. He just agrees to the threesome because he wants to continue to have his friend. Uh, and then as soon as Alyssa says no, he yeah, says, oh, says thank no, God. <laughs> like, so yeah, he, yeah, didn't, yeah, he really did good. not want to do it. <laughs> he did not want right. to do the threesome. And yeah. 
Ben Affleck coming like Ben Affleck is the villain in that scene. Everything he does and says in that scene causes irreparable harm to the two most yeah. important people he's, in his life. That's the point of that scene. Yeah, he's the villain in a few scenes. Like yeah, when yeah, he yeah. goes off at her at the hockey rink. Yeah. And, what and a it's piece again, of shit. Yeah. And oh it's my a, god, in that scene, man. <laughs> right. It is a really good turn to have, which is like yeah. he is he was fine fine he was totally with this fine. woman and her yeah. background even though she had like yeah she she had more experience than him mm-hmm. but the moment it's like oh and also it was with right because right, yeah, the thing is as super points out it's just like yeah it, he wanted to fulfill some fantasy yeah um hooper for the most part is like the most he he's the he seems to be the character who knows the who seems to be the smartest in like his advice and what to do where he's just like, yeah, just talk to her. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a little inconsistent at the beginning. He doesn't tell Holden that she's a lesbian and in fact seems to encourage him hitting on her, yeah. which seems like mean to his friend to her. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's like, why are you doing this to her? Um, yeah. The, uh, the, he's the- all, yeah. Yeah, I think he's great. Um, he's great. He's a very... It's another very 90s thing, Hooper. Yeah. Um, he has my favorite line. Which one? Ooh, Yanni. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <it. laughs> he walks it's away. It's his last um, line in the movie. We don't, we don't see him again after that scene. For people who haven't seen this movie, this movie is pretty infamous now, I feel like. Yeah. he Hooper is playing a... Um, like a, like a, a... He's a comic book writer who writes a like a black panther-esque like superhero and he is when he perform when he performs when he signs uh comics and does panels he presents himself as various like militant um like black panther type and then when he's off he's he's a, a flamboyant gay man and it's like this is a character that like, already alluded to. Kevin Smith probably shouldn't write. No, uh, there, yeah, there's but, a number of reasons that he should not write that character. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like, I feel like '90s centrists in that. The first, the first scene is like him faking a shooting, which very '90s thing to happen, um, where Holden and. Um, Banky pretend to be like like hecklers, racist hecklers. Uh, they're not racist. And, uh, they're just refuting by saying, "What are you they, talking I mean, about?" Yeah, they're pretty. When he says, "We all want to be white," and he says, oh, yeah, "Well, yeah. isn't that true?" Yeah, that's true. Like they're they're throwing out they're throwing out stuff, and then he shoots them, and it's a fake shooting. Yeah, and so it's the idea of like a, a <laughs> like people playing kind of like racist people and a black militant, and it's like ah, we don't we're just stoking the fires we're actually working together like that just feels very 90s um yeah that's yeah like dismissive of 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 racism and issues with it at the time he later does again have hooper say like you know i'm a black gay man like why is america so fucking scared of me um and so like they recognize it a little bit but it's again it's very like uh but the actor, uh, Dwight Ewell, uh, killing it in the role. Mm-hmm. 
Like, he's doing a great job with it. He has some of the funnier lines. He's the best actor in the film. He's the best actor. He's doing the best performance. So he kind of lights up the screen whenever he's in it. But, like, the character itself is another case of, like, my fucking Christ. The concept of the character is extremely cringy, for sure. It's like, oof, Kevin Smith, you're not the man to to write this perspective. Yeah, it's cringy from the perspective it's it's being written. Again, right. I think a lot of this could have been saved if Kevin Smith simply had a writing partner who could who could like work with him. Yeah, and who was someone who is who is gay, um, and that that could like you know hone up this i these ideas in, tell him when like oh maybe don't do that you know. Uh, it's just. So fucking nineties. Yeah. When she, he's like, "What did you do last night?" And she's like, "Got laid." And he's like, "Whoa!" Whoa. And like, yeah, like, why? yeah. And it's yeah. like, "What the fuck?" I mean, it's yeah. And the flannel, the flannel. There's so much flannel. Yeah. It's yeah. The nineties is a big part of that. I, I, I think because we had already said, like, remember, it's twenty five years ago. So, like, what seems like a silly question maybe wasn't so silly for guys in their uh straight guys in their 20s in in chase in chasing amy times i don't know you know right it's uh, really yeah it's a really hard one like i know that there's been like papers on this era and like that mention this movie that's like i bet they have a lot better understanding of (laughs) the nuance and the problems of this movie yeah what i mean yeah there was uh a, a point that i wanted to come back to about that that scene with banky in the end um, right. where I was saying that uh, I might be doing too much of Kevin Smith's work for him and I'm also disregarding the little sort of callback joke in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back where Banky is dating Hooper um, but just based on what's in this movie uh, I think part I think the um, Ben Affleck's character coming to the conclusion that Banky is gay and that's why he says homophobic things and that's why he resents me spending so much time with Alyssa because he's secretly in love with me. That is him being the bad guy. That is him deciding that Banky is gay and telling him you are gay. Uh, You must accept this. Yeah, doing that, like they do make a smart couple, but adding the Jane Silent Bob thing kind of is more of the problem honestly where it's like oh and he was gay he was secretly gay. right like but like watching this uh before jay and silent bob came out as i watched this movie constantly uh before jay and silent bob was released that's the conclusion right. i came to was that they was that was another example like that was because what he does he, he's making assumptions uh in this scene and then acting on those assumptions and harming these people based on those assumptions. So the assumption he makes about Alyssa is that, oh, well, she's done threesomes before, so she'll just do threesomes whenever because she's a threesome gal. And it's like, no, you asshole. Like, that's not right. at all how it works. And you're just deciding that she's going to do this because she's done it before. And so, like, that's the same approach he's having toward Banky in that scene. So that's how I always read right. it. Um, so maybe it's not as bad. Maybe the movie isn't saying here's, that okay. all homophobic people are secretly gay. I don't know. I don't know. Here's, uh, I guess when we're, we're the worst people to like really like go yeah. into the problems with this movie. We are. But what it really feels like to me above all else, because there's a lot of cringy nineties moments. There's a lot of mm-hmm. homophobic slurs, but again, the homophobic slurs 
is being said by a homophobic character who which is then addressed is later by, told yeah. yeah not to say that stuff it's sort of the point um for me i think it comes down to Alyssa, the character of Alyssa, mm-hmm. and kind of there's a lot of little it's a lot of small things the presenting her as she's a lesbian who is being turned is that's alone problematic um I guess you could argue she's bi, but she identifies as being a lesbian. She identifies as so being like, a lesbian in the movie. That's yeah. that's a problem. That's is that is a problem from this era of movies where it's like that, like it, it it's it it kind of makes her character like it's it's a lot of that combined with the fact that Holden is such a dipshit. That it's like really is like that's the other part of it is Holden hold like the fact that they keep she stays around even and she like cries and she's like apologetic um, when like he learns that she has dared to have sex with guys in high school like that is it it what it is is that Holden is such a villain that it can't justify this person staying anywhere near him yeah. Uh, and that's sort of it it's like it makes it so that like Alyssa is probably the hero of the story. Yeah. But because uh she sticks with him so long, it's still like weird. They also do the thing where like her lesbian friends shun her. And like I, I I've talked to people who are bi who do have you know, there are difficulties with stuff like that. But that also felt a little straw manny. Where they're like, another one bites the dust, and it's like, well, is this a problem? Like, are you implying that men are so irresistible that they're constantly turning lesbians? Like, I don't what think is that's. That? I don't think that's what it's implying. I think it's commenting. I think on it's more the, of like the politics of the the scene or the community at that right. point in time. Um, yeah, that's a thing that I am not comfortable commenting on because I don't know anything right. about it. Uh, yeah, it does. It does. It, does it, it did not. F- it i had the same kind of response to it where it did not feel totally inauthentic but also it felt a little straw manny and i just don't know i don't know enough about right. it to comment on it so i'm not and gonna the, yeah that's fair and i guess what it is is kevin smith basing this off of his real experience mm-hmm. and again this is maybe me not just being as like i grew up in a very liberal part of the world yeah and so the idea of a guy who would be this freaked out like it just doesn't seem real. You know what I mean? Oh, like, I knew a lot of that guy. Okay, yeah. Um, and I was, and then, I was probably this guy at some point. I'm sure. Um, wow. I mean, I was never um, in a relationship as this guy, but like it's you're. I, I th- the 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 Madonna whore thing is like so pervasive and reinforced in so much pop culture that you consume uh right I as, guess as, a, as, a, like... as a as an adolescent and a teen in the 90s so i think well, i, I think a say, lot like, of people probably had a similar viewpoint okay sorry. i guess just a lot of like 30 somethings act like this that's what it is is that like i don't know i think it was probably worse in the is, 80s just like, yeah it probably was, it was probably way worse honest. when kevin smith was a teenager yeah, and I guess that's what makes it feel a little dated to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not necessarily the movie's fault. Um, yeah, I think it's just uh, it, the fact but that it, really it was commenting like, on it in 97. Yeah, it really is 
these LGBTQ people being written by Smith, like a lot of it is just like, yeah, he he doesn't have to be, he doesn't, like he can write them talking about Archie and shit like that. Like that's perfectly yeah. fine. It's just like, it the overall it definitely has that vibe of this was written by well, a cis white guy. Yeah, uh, and, and like... And like, I would guess I would argue that some of it is actually, this is why it's like, it's like a co- I would imagine a co-write because some of it is like for cis white guys. It's a message for mes- cis white guys. I think the message of the movie is for yeah, yeah. C- cis. So, and I, yeah, and I think speci- I'm not specifically, but mo- cis straight guys primarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, not necessarily white guys, but uh, it. And so, like in that regard, it does need to be told by Kevin Smith because it is a personal story and mm-hmm. it is a story of shame. It is a story yeah. of look at how shameful I act. Yeah. Acted. Obviously, I'm sure this isn't exactly what happened with him. Uh but it it's just that's what makes this movie so uh tough to traverse, I think. Because yeah. I do think he needed to play a part in it to make this movie, but because he's the sole writer, there's just some shit in it that doesn't quite work. Yeah, like he shouldn't write Hooper, the gay black man, uh, waxing philosophic about the current state of the gay community. He should not write that scene. Right. Um, he sh- yeah. We. Th- that's the, yeah. And that, maybe he consulted. I, th- people, I think but that's there ultimately been a co-writer. What's that? I said maybe he consulted people, but there should have been a co-writer. Yeah, and I think that's ultimately the movie's biggest problem is most. Yeah. It, it, is is yeah he should have had a co-write yeah to just to to yeah. to to be more uh fair authentic uh responsible about talking about these perspectives uh in a movie like this that is about what it is about right he's since pretty much apologized for that as much as I feel like he needed to. Yeah, I don't think he needs to, um, hu- you know, hugely do a meal that's what or I mean. anything about that's this That's what movie. I mean. It's like he's he's kind of ribbed himself about it. Um, for, like, for the things that we're saying, which is like, yeah, seems like the wrong perspective for this. Um, I guess it's just weird watching it again, because I had not seen this in a while, is I expected it to be way worse. Um and it's still very, it's still problematic for sure. Yeah. But realizing this time that like who it's aimed for mm-hmm. and what it's really about, because it, it, it is really about cis guys uh, navigating this and being like, you know, the villain. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's like in the end, the most cringy stuff is what we've talked about. And then just, how fucking the mighty mighty Boston's showing up, you know, the flannel, the 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 goddamn goatees. Um There's so much the man, so much flannel. Yeah. So many Doc Martins. Yeah, him acting like Mr. Bean with the ski ball. Also, how does she not know how to play ski ball? That is not a human. Like a She's mystified ski by ball. ski ball. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. It's like even if you, I think even if you'd never played skee ball before, yeah, you'd look at it and go, "Oh, okay." The only thing I wasn't clear on the first time I played skee ball is whether or not I had to roll it or I could just like underhand toss it. Right, right. That was that was what I was unclear on. Yeah, 
Um, but yeah, she approaches it like she's from fucking Neptune. <laughs> yeah. And they, after like when they meet, they go, they do a whole scene about how they're both from the fucking Jersey shore. Right. It's like, fuck that. Like, of course you've seen, of course ball. she's played skee ball. You dipshit. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. um, what else? You get to see the entire crew and the reflection in one shot. Yeah. When Did she gets out of that? the car. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I've, I've noticed that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that one, that's pretty. Mm-hmm. I never noticed, I I did not notice that Silent Bob makes a Showgirls reference in this. Totally did not notice that. When he says he wants to be a dancer, he does the, the, the Showgirls thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never, I, I guess I hadn't seen Showgirls. Uh, like, I think the last time I saw this, I hadn't seen Showgirls. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I just never made that, like, seeing it this time. I was like, oh, I get that. I and get they, what that is. The bit of business that Jay's doing while Silent Bob's telling the Amy story, he's just eating coffee creamer. Right, yeah. he's pouring <laughs> it into a spoon and eating it. Yeah, as one does. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah, I have some questions about that. So he says, like, you have us writing weird shit saying, like, snoochie boochies. Does that mean this is not the world of Mulrats? Correct. This is another meta world. It's another. Is the, I, it, it, the it world is. Of clerks? It is the same world as Mallrats because Alyssa is the sister of, of Trisha Jones, right? And they talk so about. Uh, Banky talks about going down on Brandy Svenning. Yeah, um, there's a lot. There's a lot of Mallrats and Clerks references because, of course, there are. Yeah, so, I think that was more him sort of taking back the Looney Tunes aspect of the character to make them more yeah, serious. The, and he writes that did. he actually, he actually writes that in the, in the little essay that I, that yeah. can, comes to the Criterion DVD. He says that, that that was him like sort of reclaiming their dignity is what he called it only to then like immediately make, just make them clowns again. It's very interesting. This was still so early in Kevin Smith's I... career that like this DVD, this Criterion collection DVD, like refers to it as the New Jersey trilogy. Um, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Have you ever listened to the Mallrats? I believe the Mallrats commentary starts with him saying, fuck DVDs. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because he's doing, he's doing it for the laser On the laser disc. disc, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, so it's it's clear, like, at this point, he thought he was kind of done with, like, the, the sort of view askewed and universe. Right. Um, so it's it's interesting that he he's still so early in his career at this point that he doesn't really know what direction he's going to go in. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he doesn't yeah. know tonally. I would still argue that he he makes them more cartoony, ultimately. But the Mallrats version of them is like more studio. I f- it felt a little more like PG thirteen. Yeah. Um, oddly enough, well, like, they're, they're all they're kind they're of like terrifying super gritty. Clerks. Yeah, and clerks they're like drug dealers. Yeah. Um, uh, and then and, and part, part of like, the joke is that Jay is scary or like he's intense. Yeah. And then in Mallrats, they're kind of like cartoon characters. Yeah, they're Looney Tunes. And in this, they bring them back to being like more like humans. Uh, and then I would say Dogma, he works them in and they're, they're okay. It's hard because... They're that, closer, to, the they're other closer to Mallrats and Dogma. Yeah. I, I think they work fine in Dogma, but one of the things that I think... And I, I think he knows this. I don't think this is like a, a critique, I guess, is that... By adding Jay and Silent Bob in this movie and in Dogma, he is making them so that they can't pass a certain ceiling of quality. Because, like, in this movie, it's like they're jarring. Like, 
it's it's literally the scene where I think they do the scene uh, outside the um, hockey rink, and it's like intense. And then cuts to like Jay and Silent Bob. And if this is your first Kevin Smith movie, you'd be like, "The fuck is this? Who are these like, guys?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it, it's the kind of the same with Dogma, which is like, it's almost like you had you had a very good standalone movie you could have made, like, uh, but you you worked these bozos into it. Who you know, I as a teenager, I loved seeing them in this. It's yeah. part of it's the whole point. But it's just funny how that is, like this movie. It feels inappropriate to have them there but i think people probably were happy to see them i mean yeah i was yeah i never saw this in theaters dogma is the first kevin smith movie i saw in theaters uh yes for me too i remember yeah. when this came out in theaters uh right so I, I had already been introduced to uh my friend's had already showed me Mallrats and Clerks. Uh, so I was right. aware of this movie when it came out, but I did not see it in theaters. So Dogma yeah. was the first one I saw in a yeah. theater. What do you think about the ending? Because I also, it just occurred to me um, I like watching ending. this. Is Do you think it's a little fucked up to walk up to an ex and go, I wrote a comic book about us? Yes. <laughs> like, that's a little terrifying, right? It is. I mean, obviously it it's sweet in this. It's a, but it's, it's a little... Uh, I think it works in this because it's still a movie at the end of the day, you know? Absolutely. So it's going to have like a movie ending where he does get to apologize. She does not take him back. Yeah. But he gets, no, no, no. he gets to apologize them, to them both and neither one of them takes him back. Like, no, he, he, I, Kevin I appreciate Smith handled that. that very. Yes. Yeah. He handled it very well later too, which is like, they never get back together. No. Uh, it's, it's, they find, you know, We've already talked about it because we watched the movie, but like they they form a relationship, a friendship, but like ultimately, yeah, it's, it, and that's yeah, it's a it's that's how it should be. Yeah, like he's basically spending the rest of his life making up for this massively shitty thing he did. This I get it because if I had done this, I like I still lose sleep at night thinking about embarrassing things I did in fifth grade. So like if yeah, I had yeah. done this to like my best friend and my girlfriend, yeah. 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 I would, I would, that, I, would yeah. I would think about only this. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, it shapes him as a human being. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. has to go into hiding. It feels like. Yeah. Uh, after this, you kind of um, would. Yeah. You would sort of need to go into hiding after doing yeah. something like that. For sure. But yeah, I would say, that's where I landed. I'd love to hear other people's points of view of this. Yeah. Is that I think that it gets the broad strokes and it's like, it means well. Uh, and, and even, I think it even does a few things that like movies now don't do like more, more movies need to have cis men speaking up with other cis men and saying like, you shouldn't say that shit. That's yeah. fucked up. Like that is legitimately a thing that needs to happen way more. And to see it happen in this movie is like, oh, that's great. Um, uh, is the scene handled well? Not necessarily, you know, no, like not super well. Uh, yeah, and that's what it is. Is like if you describe the movie to someone, they'd probably be like, oh, that doesn't sound half bad. And then you see it, and you're like, mm, very rough. Yeah, <laughs> really rough. Yeah. Um, but even describing the movie, there's still some, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like you could, you could argue he didn't need to tell this story by making the character a lesbian. 
which I don't really want to make that argument because it's like, well, it's good that it's being talked about, you yeah. know, in the 90s. Uh, but it is like, it, it is more about like toxic masculinity yeah. and this guy's, this guy's view of what this woman needs to be for him. Yeah, and I think that helps uh, illustrate what he's trying to say, if nothing else, because sure. the point that he knows she has uh, a lot of, of previous sexual partners, uh, but he's fine with it when he thinks they're all women. So right. it's, it's not it's not the idea that she's quote-unquote promiscuous that's bothering him. It's specifically that it's men. Yeah, he wanted to be yeah, yeah. Uh, the first. Because it's a specific type of toxicity he's talking about or wants yeah. to talk about. Yeah, so it's... Yeah, it's it's complicated. Yeah. Complicated film. It's yeah, it's a, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't I've, know, I've probably man. I've probably put my foot in my mouth many times in this episode, so I apologize for that. Well, it's more of like it's just like we're not the people to make the best assessment of it, but growing here's what I'll say about it is that mm. as a nerdy teen, I do think this movie I mean, like I said, I grew up in a very liberal area. Um anyway but i do think this film pointed me in a positive direction um and i think uh, like what we can speak about it is as like how it is it does feel like it's aimed at nerdy comic book uh dudes yeah like that that is the thing that feels like it's target audience because kevin smith knew that Mm -hmm. and so like from that perspective i i think like it 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 probably does more good than harm, but again, I I I can't speak to that. That's a you know that's a very general statement. Uh, but this thing, I, I will definitely say that, felt like it was going to be worse than it was. Yeah, and there's still there are some scenes. I remember I was texting you while I was rewatching this the last yeah. night, and I was like, oh god. Uh, but like as the movie went on, I was like, oh okay, there's still like value and merit in this and i will say that when i was a teenager and watching this uh i really did watch at one point i watched this probably every night before i fell asleep oh wow yeah there was like a stretch of like maybe two or three months um so i watched this movie a lot as a teenager and it did sort of make me aware of prejudices that i didn't realize I still had or didn't realize I right. had. Uh, Cause I, I, I thought of myself as, you know, a pr- progressive dude. And I was trying, you know, I, I same as the character in this movie, I considered myself to be a, a forward thinking progressive uh, liberal dude. And then watching this movie did point out some things that I had to be like, Oh yeah, that is something that I didn't think about that. And I need to check that. Right. In myself. Right. And there's this whole, narrative of like it, 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 that i mean again it really helps to make holden a villain because yeah. they present it at points of like oh it's this uh, cis male who's like this woman falls in love with him because he's too so great yeah. and like you could see a version of this that would have been a disastrous yes and they they make it crash and burn ultimately and they make him a prick yeah um and so like uh, yeah, that's the better way for it to go, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah. It's 
it's just so 90s too it's, um, it's extremely 90s yeah yeah it, uh, yeah that's i mean that's the best, the best thing i can people say should about watch it, it. Yeah, yeah and again it, it's just just sopping with that kevin smith dialogue so which oh man it'll just again it's it crash right into your ear yeah it really it really doesn't quite work in this one he goes to he really like he really ramps it up like i would i would even say this isn't reflective of his normal dialogue now like you look at it's, like mall rats or you look at dogma and there's people they're not saying shit like this you know no, it's like, like he is so quippy and so like quote unquote witty yeah in this that it's like oh shut the fuck up holden you know yeah, it's a '90s comedy thing, like a, like this, yeah. the '90s Gen X hip comedy was indie comedies were doing a lot of this, and so he it, it it does feel like he's writing comedy dialogue when it's not appropriate because like nor you know it, in comedies his dialogue works fine and it's funny. Um, yeah, it's just in this setting, it really starts I to would feel even... like fucking like it starts hitting my ears like Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, that's the thing. That's why I'm saying it. It doesn't even feel reflective of his normal dialogue because I don't think like when Kevin, where when Ben Affleck does his like tight five when he first meets her, it's just like he normally doesn't really do this. Yeah, like I don't. I, I he like again in Clerks and Mallrats they do still have that flavor, but it's so ramped up in this that it's like mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. It's blinding, which I, so we, we want to talk about how we think this will compare with Tusk. Uh, is it okay if I transition into that? Yeah, please do. Because this points it out is that I think one of the things Tusk is going to be is very of its time. Uh, the, the 2014, I guess, mm-hmm. because that it looks very Eli Roth, right? Like it looks very of that horror era. Yeah, that's true. Um, and so I have a feeling that much like chasing Amy, for better or for worse, Tusk is going to feel very much a time capsule. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's going to be like this era of horror that we've sort of moved past. Uh, so that's my that's my like tonal uh, guess of what Tusk is going to be compared to this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm not. Yeah, I would well, almost I also, guess that it would it it will be a little clearer in its intent. Yeah. Both movies are about someone trying to change somebody though. So yeah, that's you know. true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think, I think there'll be similarities. Um, it's an odd you know, pairing. I don't know. <laughs> we'll I don't see, know. We'll it's, see what it's leaps cha- out at us. Well, no, it's chasing Amy, but if, uh, <laughs> Joey Lord Adams was Justin long turning into a walrus. Yeah. A man trying to turn him into a walrus. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there'll be more similarities, but I think the biggest thing to me is I think it'll, they'll both be very tonally of its time. I think it's, uh, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, which is interesting with Kevin Smith because I don't think he always, he doesn't always fall into that. Meaning like he kind of set the tone of the 90s comedies. So if, Yeah, for this, like the genre that I just described uh, like two minutes ago, he kind of right. was most responsible for it. Yeah, he's the architect yeah. of that stuff. So, like, I think he doesn't tend to just follow what other people do. But my guess is that with when it comes to another genre, I, I really like Red State. But Red State also felt like he was taking cues uh, from from other I, horror directors. I remember Red State feeling pretty unique. 
among oh, I lo- things I love that Red I was Saint. watching at the time it came out. I think it's unique for sure. I think it's just more, again, like there's a certain a tone of horror. You know, the hostile, the, again, the Eli Roth stuff uh, that was kind of happening around then. Um, the torture, torture horror. And Red State very much falls into that, you know? Uh, <clears throat> which isn't to say it's not a unique film. Or that Eli Roth doesn't make unique films as well. It's just, I do think it's going to be, like Tusk at least feels very much of a, like a human centipede era, you know? (laughs) Yeah, like 2011. Yeah, exactly. Um, I haven't seen it. Maybe it's great. Um, But again, it is, I don't think it's going to be so much that because like we're saying, he does tend to do his own thing. Like, for better or for worse he's always up to do his own weird fucking thing yeah we learned sure that with is. yoga hosers yeah Man, what a zany film that was yeah but i i do appreciate yoga hosers as like a stoner comedy sure uh, i'm glad kids have that yeah exactly yeah we had chasing amy which uh we sure you did know. man and yeah <laughs> I, you know that's most positive thing i could say about it is that it did uh, uh help me adjust my behavior uh to be better yeah i think i think it's a push in a positive direction in the 90s mm, yeah that 25 is, years ago to be clear <laughs> to be clear that is um problematic today um cringy today but like again at the time this was a hit this was progressive all the critics were popping mm-hmm. about this movie yep uh, so if you're flipping youngin, their wigs, yeah, I think it's one of those things. If you're a youngin and you're watching this movie, you're probably like, "What the fuck am yeah. I watching? This oh, is madness." Yeah. yeah, but at the time, it, it it's sort of like it's sort of like a um, like I rewatched Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, which is a very progressive film for its time. You know, yeah. <laughs> so you 1960s. watch it and you're like, yeah, and you're like, hmm. This, uh, honestly, that movie actually holds up better than Chasing Amy, I would say. Uh, but it is very... Um, it, it's still like, yeah, they're being very progressive for the 60s. Uh, it's an entire movie about an interracial marriage, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, I don't want to compare this to Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, though. Then you should probably stop. Yeah, I should probably stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now I want to talk about Guess Who, the Ashton Kutcher film. But of course. Well, we, we should just do that podcast where we compare Guess Who's Coming to Dinner with Guess Who. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, that's uh, I got nothing. I got nothing else. Yeah. How do we end this this show? We say thanks at Nerd Numbers. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, and yeah, next episode is going to be uh, Tusk. And then I think it's Dogma and Red State. Ooh. And that's mm, yum, 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 yum. I know I can already. That's gonna actually pair up pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. no shit. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. I think. Uh. I want. I hope Tusk is really fun. I avoided it because I just don't like that human centipede shit. It's just not my brand of horror. Mm-hmm. Uh. And it really felt like that. But we'll see what it. We'll see what it is. Uh. But yeah. Thanks at Nerd Numbers. This was done through our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Gamefully Unemployed. We have tiers where you can um, produce your own podcasts. So that's an option. Those those open up fairly frequently. Um, 
but they're quick. It's a it's a fast window, so keep an eye. Yeah. Uh, we also just have exclusive podcasts for five dollars a month. You get access to Tom and Jeff watch Batman, Fox Mulder is a maniac, Star Trek: The Next Futurama, and Spielboys. Uh, those are all on there for a little more. We watch movies with our patrons every Friday night. So check it out. Patreon.com slash Gamefully Unemployed. Yeah, we also have a store. Head over to GamefullyUnemployed.com where you can find a link to our Teespring store where we have all kinds of cool original artwork and designs you can get on T-shirts, mugs, stickers, posters, all kinds of things. So check that out. <laughs> We're just making <laughs> noises a, now. I made a spring sound. I don't know why you did that. That's that's them uh, 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 springing over to the website. Yeah, let's go with that. That's what that is. They've turned this off, Dave. This is no one's listening yeah. to this. <laughs> this is garbage. No one will this ever is all hear garbage. this. <laughs> all right, bye. Bye. Smoking weed, smoking weed, doing coke, drinking beers. <laughs>